Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinole. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. My name is Dave Handwriting and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 192. Jesus fucking Fucking Christ. hell. <laughs> what are we doing for 200? <laughs> it's uh, going to be the new year, isn't uh, it? Well, I've timed it, right? So I'm pretty sure 200 would be like the first episode that we... we January. Yeah. Interesting. Exciting uh, times for the show. So I don't know. I mean, I might just leave it at 199. We'll see. Oh. You're back. Craig Fitzpatrick. I'm back, yeah. And Dahi's back out. <laughs> Dahi's back out immediately, yeah. It's good to hear him back last week. Yeah. Um... And also you immediately throwing me back under the bus. So very bad. Which is great that, yeah. for um, sorry. people didn't listen. People know uh, our dynamics. They understand yeah. that I, I mean. I missed Dahi's late night album release show, which you reminded him of. And he very graciously said, essentially, well, Craig's getting kind of old, so he can't stay out that late. Yeah. I think that was the gist of what he was getting for. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, um, I wouldn't analyze it too much. It was a good show, though. Yeah, it was not as good as this one's going to be. That's true. But um, uh, Dahi's away because he's gigging. He's still on tour, guys. Yeah, he's down in the Cork. Slog continues. He's yeah. down in Cork to do a gig, and he's also got like a, a short film premiering that he worked on. He's a renaissance man. He's a very busy boy. Sends his love as always. But you're back. You were on, you went to a stag because you're obsessed with stags. <laughs> I'm not obsessed. I just get talked into going to them. Yeah, I was in Amsterdam. It was like a cliched stag, but it wasn't like a monstrous cliche of a stag. It was quite chill and relaxed and fine. Um, yeah, I recommend Amsterdam. Ever been? 
Yes, I have. Dahi and I went there. Ah, of to course. See Nine's Nails. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was your experience of in general? I was only really there for a couple of days, but I loved it. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was a uh, very cool city, very clean, very easy to navigate, good uh, museums and stuff. Very yeah. nice. Very I nice missed people. the museums. <laughs> yeah, you, you you were there for a slightly different. Um, yeah, I saw a live sex show. <laughs> did you? Okay, let's talk about that because like I did walk through the red light district and I was you know. I was just struck by, like, you know that scene in Drive when he walks into the club to oh, confront your man? Yeah, it's and there's a grim. Girl, and, there's, <laughs> and there's a girl on the phone, like, at, at the front with, like, a just jacket. so disinterested. And, yeah, completely. That, like, that's, I remember seeing that exact thing in, like, uh, in a doorway. Like, 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 a woman on her phone, just, like, not interested. And I was like, this is just really grim. So like, bad. this whole thing is just grim as fuck. And, yeah, so I didn't uh, avail yeah. of anything. You're not missing much, mate. Tell it me was, what you did. It was, like, a small group, and it was the Saturday night. And I think it was decided that the groom would have to at least, like, just for the sake of it, see some kind of, you know, red light district action. So the best man was like, okay, I'll find us some, like, sex show, I guess, or we'll go in somewhere to, like, a strip club. And we're all like, yeah, I guess. Like, it was very much that vibe. Hang on, the best man? Yeah. Surely this is planned out in advance. No, I don't think so. Well, not this best man. He's the best man. It's his job to. So arrange. he should have been online, uh, yeah. like booking sex shows on Listen, his. Listen, I'm not saying I approve of that. I'm just saying that, like, if you're going to do that and you're the best man, from a logistical point of view, the admin aspect of these things, I would imagine, yeah, is quite important. Yeah, he did let the slide down. Like I've been on previous dags where there was like strippers on barges, strippers in please limos in the morning. Please, <laughs> don't, please don't. <laughs> not, not again. It's the um, saddest story. But yeah, what this amounted to was So you me, need to make a statement here that you don't approve of this behaviour, by the way. Oh, I don't whatsoever, yeah. no. And I don't think any of us did, really. a copy really. of New Scientist magazine over there. It is, yeah. Why do you have a copy of New Scientist magazine? Because I was holding my notes. The secret language of you, the startling things you reveal to other people without even saying a word. Well, <laughs> What am I revealing right now? That you have a penchant for live sex shows, <laughs> apparently. Go on. Um, so I'd eaten half a muffin. That kind of rendered me <laughs> full of giggles. Um, so we oh, went sorry, into this. Yeah. Those, yes. I was just like, what a weird detail. Oh, okay. So we went into this like small, like CD. You're shocked to hear it. CD theater thing, right? No way. And like, you're given like, I think it was 55 quid each, <laughs> but you're given two um, drinks vouchers <laughs> and you all like sit down and it was like, it was very touristy. Like it was like. Not quite families, <laughs> but like your typical tourists you see wandering around Dublin. Sorry, kind what of what like, time of the day? <laughs> this was about this was about midnight. Okay, that's slightly better. <laughs> yeah. I was I was anticipating like they just opened. Yeah. So you sit down, you get your like you get your um free Bavaria that you spent <laughs> fifty five quid on. And I'm, then I'm confused by the fifty five quid thing. It's like credits or something, is it? No, it's it's like it's on stage. There's no. It's not like a you're getting a lap dance or anything. You're just witnessing you this show quid? to get in. It's you like pay you pay fifty five quid. No, no, I was in the person that you were that you were given fifty five quid. <laughs> oh and no, I was like, that would have been I was great. Like, to throw money at her. I was like, this is them, like <laughs> plural. So there was a few different like acts. Most of them were like Fontaine's DC. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them amounted to what was like a kind of like augmented reality version of Babe Station. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just someone dancing, kind of quite far away. Also, I'd lost a contact lens at this stage, so I couldn't really Brilliant. see much. Yeah, this is perfect. So and you're then... hands, so you're half stoned, <laughs> one eye working. Yeah, Jesus and at this stage, Christ. my mind was just like, I went to a place where I was like, this is the biggest like parody of an Amsterdam thing ever, and I just like was laughing uncontrollably, being like, we're all ridiculous. Why are we here? Why do people do this whatsoever? That was oh, my you state went of mind. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. So uh, without getting too graphic, 
a, a couple came out and had uh, very mechanical sex <laughs> at okay. one point. I think there was another dance and we like shuffled out and just went to another bar. Is there music? Yeah, but it's like very nondescript kind of Euro disco. It was grim all around. How many, was this a private function? It was just you guys? No, it was like a small theater. It was like going to a, a, like an indie cinema. Right. Do you know what I mean? That kind of size. Oh, so kind of yeah. Sorry, it was yeah. it was it was a political statement by the performers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, can you go? To, can you leave at any point? Yeah, you can. Of course, you can leave. But you yeah. have to wait. Until, no, no. Oh, but so. well, you'd be rude to kind of leave, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, they might not notice. I feel. I don't know. But also, I always feel bad about like leaving in the middle of a gig. When yeah, someone's sure, playing yeah, it. But yeah. if they're in the middle of such an intimate act. It doesn't what would that, that do to her self-esteem if you just, like, quite I've had enough? <laughs> that intimate, I mean, like... like it, no, it wasn't intimate at all. <laughs> and I mean, like, okay, so again, I mean, I'm just curious. The performers were, like, less involved than we were. There was just nothing going on whatsoever. But because it's so mechanical, <laughs> and because it's like a gig, is there, like, a narrative here? I mean, or No, is it... no, it's not like... It's not like erotic art or anything. No, there was no oh, it's pretense just... of a narrative. Right. No. So they, no, so... no, they just no, like they kind of. It's like a revolving thing, and they're like on a kind of small podium, and they just like have sex. Revolving. Yeah, it kind of turns around. That's and they're revealed. I don't. Know and then that. it turns back around, and then like maybe it's just one girl, and she's kind of like dancing, and that's that's pretty much it. Wow, this is <laughs> horrific. <laughs> it sounds horrific, but when you're there, actually. It's it's so nothing that you're like. I suppose it helps that you're stoned. What did you do afterwards? I uh, went to a bar. Okay, a normal bar, and just continued chatting about football. <laughs> Anything else to report from the trip? Um, no. I was on a bench getting stoned the next day, and I saw some pigeons. <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> And the pigeons came over and I was like, wouldn't it be hilarious if I got them stoned? And that was more entertaining than the sex show. Did you I didn't get tamper with no, I didn't. animals? No, Greg. no, I did not. I really thought the wouldn't be like I thought the pigeons were gonna talk to you or something like Morning, Craig. <laughs> but it was all good, yeah. It was yeah, it sounds like experience, it. yeah. Oh, okay. How was your tolerance? Fine, actually, yeah. Half a muffin. Half a muffin, yeah. I didn't go full muffin. And I think the joints were pretty mild. I hadn't smoked in a while. So, what what do you reckon your tolerance would be? It would depend. I haven't smoked in a while either. Um, as you know, only in only in uh, places like Amsterdam. Of course. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah where it's above just, board. Just so you know, anyone, <laughs> <laughs> any forensic investigators who are listening, uh, I don't have much of one. It's more that like it's more that I, I I don't smoke cigarettes, so therefore, like if I try and like smoke a joint, it just goes horribly wrong. Oh, really? I, I'd be better if there was some kind of edible situation, I suppose, or some kind of bong situation. I must say, it was far more preferable coming back from. From the trip than like your usual Irish weekender of just doing like shots or whatever yeah, and you feel horrendous like yeah, I no, just to felt fair, I mean, like, you know, relaxed to be honest yeah, it's, getting, it's that time of year again yeah. I mean I wouldn't mind uh, so if anyone's listening right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wants to provide us with a very easy convenient and purely legal uh, situation where we can just get fucking baked and I'm in I've still... just remembered my younger sister listens to every episode she's not like seven no she's 23 all right. What's she going to do? Fucking dob you in? Tell my ma. I don't give a fuck, man. This is episode 192. Like, you're either in or you're out at this stage. All right. Um, mm. Oh, 
What else is there to talk about? I recorded an episode of No Popcorn. Yes. Um, give us the L film. What can we look forward to? Inside Lewin Davis. Oh, one of your favourites. Yeah, myself, Dave Higgins, and special guest David Tapley of Tandem Felix fame recorded an episode about Inside Lewin Davis. No Popcorn, if you don't know, is a sidebar po- podcast that appears on this very feed about musical related movies and yeah. uh, that's coming out in a few days I think possibly so look out for that uh, we've really stepped up the production on it you know we, we didn't do one for months and then we've got three in the space of like exciting a times there you go. Uh, I also did an interview with Jape Richie Egan uh, I tracked him down to a hotel and <laughs> <laughs> so he was unaware he was going to be interviewed you yeah. just tracked him down and I, I, as he's I very was, amenable as a fellow you would have just started chatting I'd say as I was setting up the microphones which took about four minutes he didn't run so there you <laughs> nice. go nice uh, yeah I wanted to have that for this episode but I only did it yesterday and I figured I'd be rushing the edits so uh, it'll run next week but his album in the meantime which we reviewed in the show last week yeah and got me very intrigued I haven't listened to it as yet but it sounded like right up my street it's called particularly Sen- as an older man now apparently yeah yeah totally that, that's definitely a thing it's called Sentinel yeah. and it's out uh, as of this podcast dropping it's a really good record and mm. I mean to be honest as he says in the interview with me there's not a big marketing push in this one he kind of is just like here it is you know if you want to listen to it cool I'm not going to do a big deal he's not touring it you know either yeah. like he's not gigging for it at all so, something a bit different yeah. something a bit different yeah and he, like, the, the interview itself I I haven't listened back to it but I really enjoyed it um, we chatted about that we chatted about how he almost didn't make another Jape album and wasn't going to and then this one just kind of fell out of him somewhere along the way we talked about winters in Sweden and how I wouldn't last a day we talked yeah. about uh, Death Stranding that new video game which I'll talk about myself in a is moment is he still like maintaining almost office hours in terms of his yeah, work yeah, life totally, and all that yeah, I find that so, yeah. incredible that a musician can work like that yeah, I know no, Nick, no, Nick like, Cave used to do that like literally rent an office space and go there from 9 to 5 every day I was thinking about this I was having this conversation like about how Trent Reznor is Ross must be doing the same thing because yeah. the amount of score work they're doing and then going on tour with Nine Inch Nails and putting out a new record like I mean like sounds relentless it has to be a Monday to Friday yeah. 9 to 5 right it has to be yeah it has to be otherwise what, how are you doing this you yeah if you're working by commission in that way I guess yeah, yeah. well I guess it works for some people um, and yeah no it's just it, like, it seems like Richie is in a place in his life right now where he can kind of dictate what he wants to do um, it wasn't always like that it might not always be like that but ultimately he's in a position to do so I think he's making he continues to make very interesting art but he also doesn't really give a fuck about playing the game so it was yeah. nice to just chat to him for half an hour um, about different things Death Stranding Death Stranding Talk yeah well see like, that's the it's the new game from Hideo Kojima or Kojima however it's pronounced uh, who, is it based on Kevin Costner's The Postman because it I mean, sounds like it basically <laughs> is yeah so like I mean I uh, so about a week ago like, I mean like, we we had, did the podcast last week and we had Mango Mathman on and uh, I wasn't feeling great and then I went to the doctor the next day and was diagnosed with a chest infection which I thought that's what I was, what, what was going on smash cut to me being like I can't work now I'm having to take work off so I was pretty much housebound for most of the weekend uh, luckily <laughs> this extremely you packages to deliver <laughs> <laughs> yeah. luckily there's a lot of people out there who need packages uh, here's an extremely esoteric game in which you walk around a, a desolate landscape and <laughs> hand out packages to perfect. people. Yeah, it's weird. I'm like I'm 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 about 14 hours into it now at this age probably and I still couldn't tell you how I really feel about it. Wow. Dahi is loving it. Do you, reckon, do you reckon confirmed DHL fan Frank Ocean would be into it? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, again, even talking about it with Richie there, like he hasn't played it yet, but he's incredibly fascinated by the idea of it. And something he actually said that really struck with me, uh, he he referred to it and his album to a degree as well and other stuff. About, like I was kind of tying it into like the Irishman and maybe even the Kanye West album. The idea of an- anti-entertainment, where it's like, 
this is art, but also it's not conventional and it's not going to give you the instant gratification of, say, a Grand Theft Auto game or yeah, yeah, know, yeah. the new album from fucking, I don't know, like Ariana Grande or whatever. But like ultimately, there's a place in the world for these things. Um, I don't quite know yet how I feel about Death Stranding because it's very possible that I will finish the game in a week or three and be like, no, that was complete garbage. The story isn't grabbing me, I will say that, but I do love the world, and I do find myself thinking a lot about it when I'm not playing it. I tried to avoid all the promotional material as much as I could in the three fucking years that it was teased, Yeah, and I knew the basics, and at one point I was like, okay, I think I know what this is, and I remember talking to Dahi about it, because he'd been like all over it, and I was like, is it a walking simulator? And he's like, it pretty much is, yeah. <laughs> it's basically fucking Lee Carvalho's pudding challenge. You know? I think I'd like that. Because there's lots of, like, systems and, like, yeah. you know, like, you can't play it until you, like, read this. Or, it's like, almost like meditation or something. I, kind I, of is, I like, I think yeah. you'd really, yeah, I, I think you can definitely sink into it. And much like Red Dead Redemption 2 last year, which I liked, but did not. I, like, I'm still wading through that. Are you? Not in a negative way, it's just so sprawling. Well, that's the thing, I mean, I, carve out I liked that game, but I didn't love it. But what, but what I did love about it was those things of just walking around just yeah. walking through the fucking snow with some music coming on and i think the game is a bit barren in some respects that's also kind of the point and it's a bit silly and it's kind of like i can see the arguments against it but i'm definitely still with it and even like now talking about it i'm like i do want to go home by it so <laughs> let's get on with the episode on with the then episode, yeah uh what else oh yeah so uh, i mentioned on the show last week that we were going to do our traditional no encore quiz of the year and yeah. i gave like a date and i gave like a venue <laughs> And uh, I know that I hadn't set up the tickets for it yet, so uh, just as kind of uh, awkwardly as I announced that one, I'm going to announce that. We're actually not going to do the quiz, I'm sorry. Yeah, we were just talking about it. We're kind of too busy. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's that Ringo Starr thing of like, we are too busy. Peace and love. That is true. But look, I'll be be fucking honest. I'm not mentally up to it. I'm just not. I'm, it's a big undertaking. I'm just not really in, in a place right now where I want to get on the stage. And even though it's always a fun night and it's good crack to do, I was just thinking about it and I was just thinking like, this is going to cause me be some more undue yeah, stress. stress. I'm just look, look, look. It's again, you know, it's it's not anything new if you've listened to the show, and this isn't like some kind of like please send me messages, please don't. I'm not in a great place at the moment, mm. and I just don't want to do it. So, yeah. so I just thought, fuck it, like let's just not do it. Yeah, we might do something small, uh, kind of friends to the show or people that want to meet up. We'll definitely have something before Christmas, which yeah, will we'll, be awesome. We'll try and do something chill. Where but certainly, where it I mean, you know, some people like... have a laissez-faire attitude towards <laughs> quizzes, <laughs> but you as a quiz master, it's kind of your entire identity, aside uh, from like the writing and the music and all that. <laughs> quiz master Dave and Ready, no, is that not your thing? So it's, I mean, like, yeah, it's an it would be a burden. Yeah. To be fair, putting the quiz take a lot of pride in it. I like. haven't even like done a fucking single question on it as well, and it does take a lot of time. It I do does, take pride. Yeah. Look, it's a, like it's a good, it's good crack to do. I like doing it. I hope that there was no one who was like, oh, fucking unreal, and is now like, oh no. There's lots of other quizzes happening. Go to one of those. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, my cousin Caleb was actually asking about it yesterday. Ah, no. I'm, I'm sad now. I'm we'll sorry. do something. We'll and there some... will be a quiz in the future. We'll, yeah, for yeah. sure. Now, we'll figure something out uh, for like, you know, just like a chill night out somewhere, somehow, whatever. But like, nah, I'm not going to, I just, I can't put on an event right now, guys. I'm sorry, I can't do it. Yeah. Uh, especially because what if I did put on an event? <laughs> I can't believe I'm linking. Segway. What if I did put on this event, right? And I came out on stage and everyone thought that Nyler Nine was going to come out on stage instead. And just booed me off the stage. That'd be terrible, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the exact same thing ish happened to Drake. Yeah. Um, when he got a less than enthusiastic welcome when he made a surprise appearance at Tyler the Creator's annual Camp Flogna Carnival in Los Angeles. So he got through about 20 minutes of the Sunday night. Uh, he'd arrived after the main acts, as I guess like the billing was question mark. 
And a lot of people assumed it would be Frank Ocean, I guess, being odd future fans in the main. He got through about 20 minutes before it kind of got a bit too much. Um, And he kind of took it in his stride, in fairness, to Drake. Like, I sometimes put him down, but he handled it quite well. He essentially just said, listen, I can keep going if you want to keep going. Um, (laughs) Then when people started screaming no, uh, he decided to leave the state amidst uh, a barrage of We Want Frank chants. I uh, said, it's been love. I go by the name of Drake. Thank you for having me. And that was that. So Drake didn't take it too hard. He even took to um, Instagram afterwards and was essentially trolling the same plot twist. Just signed a 10-year residency at Camp Flogna. Sorry, kids. Um, see you every single year till you're 30. Just uh, a little dig at very, the young fans. That, that was very good. Yeah. I don't like Drake, but that was very good. It was good. Um, it seemed like Tyler was actually the most put out about it. Um, I yeah. guess because it was a huge get for I'd him. Actually, I'd never heard of this festival before. Yeah, it's been going a few years. My first, um, it first kind of passed uh, me by when I think we did a news story about Jaden Smith declaring his love for Tyler and just question marks over whether the relationship. I think that was at a performance maybe last year or two years ago. But it's become a real thing, and obviously, it's probably the biggest gathering of odd future fans. It's like a hipster juggalo convention essentially i can see why drake wouldn't be the most sought after artist for this but obviously because he's such a huge name you'd think that hey what what a get i mean you could argue he's the biggest artist in the world right now for sure it's a kind of unheard of for someone of that size to be roundly booed won't happen again uh yeah i don't know what do you do i mean it's not a wrestling show like i'm not a drake fan at all but like it's, it's just rude craig isn't it i mean like well, Tyler criticized the fans. Um, he called the incident um, mob mentality and cancel culture in real life. There's been some speculation yeah. that the fans are actually Does this tie into more, that kind of standum and all that kind of thing. But also more like less impressed by Drake's tunes and like more rather focusing on some of his more questionable behavior. Okay, which if that's the case. Well, fair then play. fair play, I suppose, but allegedly. Was uh, it a lot of, like, Pusha T fans? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, if that's the case, if you, were, if you were legitimately turned off by the moral character of a person there, you know, like if fucking Gary Glitter comes out on stage. Not that I'm saying that fucking <laughs> Gary Glitter are, are, are much the same, but like he'd be like, ah, no, I don't think so, man. Uh, you know, like, really? Does Drake have a song as good as, as Rock and Roll, Roll Part, part 2? <laughs> I think Best I Ever Had is up there, yeah. <laughs> That's a hell of a tune. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. I, but I would say, I mean, it being Tyler's Festival, the percentage of huge Frank Ocean fans like in that crowd, I don't know why they thought it would be Frank Ocean. Well, maybe when does the, he do surprise shows? He doesn't really do shows whatsoever, does he? Maybe like? it's because of like the the recent Frank Ocean thing of like, here's three new songs, here's a weird queer club We're night that didn't go something. very well, here's Blonded Radio again. He's doing stuff, yeah. surely. Like, <laughs> but this stuff happens all the time, like like with, with festivals and with special guests and with wrestling shows and things where there's a surprise element to it. And people are like, it's definitely gonna, like it even happened with like Kendrick Lamar's last album where it was like, oh, we're getting we're getting another part of this album on Sunday. Yeah. Here it is. Oh, look, he's, he's posing next to a blue nation. wall. <laughs> Imagine he had released an album called Nation to make a damn nation. That would have been the worst <laughs> thing of all time. But it, the Reddit threads, man, like it's yeah. a different, it's, it's it's all gotten very conspiracy wall now. So, um, I did, Like Tyler had some other comments where he was talking about like um, one girl in particular kind of like looked at him and she was hysterical, crying and screaming at him. What the fuck is this shit? 
as Drake performs his biggest hits. Like, what's mental? That's pretty, that's pretty funny. Unless, of course, she was legitimately traumatized by bad reasons. Yeah. But if it was a musical yeah. thing... No, I think it was, she was a Frank she was fan. Just like, she, was disappo- sake, she was disappointed. Yeah. While he plays, like, nice for what on stage or whatever. Like, yeah. To be fair, no, no. Yeah, it, I, can, I can absolutely vibe with people getting upset on a purely musical level that, oh, for fuck's sake, really... Fair enough. Now, what if Rod Stewart, <laughs> what if Sir Rod Stewart had have been the special guest? Well, then maybe we would have seen a bit more respect, you know? An elder statesman. Uh, this article that we have here refers to him as Sir Rod at every point, by the way. Yeah, I think it's it might have been a telegraph. <laughs> We've said before, yeah, it probably is. We've said before, Craig, that you once interviewed uh, National Institution Joe Duffy. <laughs> Joe Duffy, about his favourite train journey mm-hmm. um, for um, the country's premier train magazine, <laughs> Go Rail. Oh, that's doing enterprises <laughs> a service, isn't it? <laughs> Well, that only serves Dublin to Belfast, so in terms of spread and the qualities, you know, it's... Yeah, Go Rail is what you want if you want to go on a train around the country and read a magazine of reheated articles from another magazine. Yeah, so I'd interviewed Joe, who's a lovely fella, about his favourite uh, train journey and, you know, you're always kind of very... Um, grateful that someone is willing to chat about the time they went to like Wicklow and how For nice like it was. 20 minutes because that article yeah. was always a full page. It really was, was yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we got through it together, me and Joe. <laughs> then at the end I'm just like, okay, I've got the quotes I need. I'm going to let let him go. It's it's cool. Thanks for everything, Joe. And he kind of paused. He was when yeah, yeah, he paused and goes, you know, I, I collect model trains. <laughs> and there was a silence for a few seconds and I was like, Let's talk about that. Yeah, you could have hung up the phone, but you didn't. Oh, no. He got you. Um, It was very interesting. And apparently he's been into it for years. His, like, house... The ground floor of his house sounds like it's just, like, trains in every room. I guess interconnected. I don't know what's going on. So he's like a Wallace and I'm not sure if he's got a hat. I didn't ask. But yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's it's, it's a thing, Craig. People are into that kind of stuff. And Um, some people get shamed when they reveal such things, including Rod Stewart. Yeah, he's um, revealed that he's so proud that his model railway has been getting so much attention because some believe it's just a silly hobby. Um, The railway, this has been uh, unveiled. It took 25 years of work to complete um, it's called Grand Street and Tree River City. It's based on an American city in the 1940s. It spans 1,500 square feet uh, in the attic, <laughs> in the attic of his LA home. <laughs> the 74-year-old rock star told Radio 2's Jeremy Vine of his joy at the coverage that his creation has attracted after it was shared by your favourite and mine, <laughs> Railway, Railway Modeler <laughs> magazine. Uh, Stuart said, it's really noisy because we've got sound effects when the trains go through the city. There's a city sound in New York, they go through the country, birds singing. It's quite incredible. I'm so proud of it. And I'm so proud of the coverage that it got. A lot of people laugh, but it's a wonderful hobby. Now, apparently he called into the show because the presenter had the gall, the temerity, Craig, to insinuate insinuate that Rod Stewart could not have built it all by himself. Yeah, how dare you, Jeremy Vine? Um, uh, Rod retorted with, I would say, 90% of it I built myself. So the he was on- right. So Jeremy Vine was right. <laughs> yeah. He didn't build all of it by himself. The only thing he wasn't very good at and still isn't is the electricals. Uh, so he had someone else do that. Um, he added, they say model railroads are never finished, but this one is. Yeah, it's like a classic <laughs> song. They're never actually finished. There's not much more I can do with it. 
I mean, um, that he goes uh, on. We're not going to read all these quotes. Talking about upgrades to buildings, <laughs> he really does go. On. Like to be fair, I'll, I'll say this: if it took twenty, magnificent. <laughs> it, it, it took twenty-five years to make, right? So therefore, I'm okay with it, with, with there being a lengthy article about it because there probably should be. But it does go on. But sorry, that last quote where he goes, eh, "There's not much more I can do with it." That's very like you know when Alexander looked over his kingdom, he wept. Yeah. For there are no more worlds <laughs> to conquer, isn't it? It's just like Jesus Christ. It really is. Uh, um, yeah, okay, like. I'm not going to hobby shame. People collect stamps. People, you know, fucking. Do I all, mean, yeah. All as as an aging rock star, there's a lot worse things you could, could be getting up to. Um, but he's into. He's got kind of kind of adorable hobbies, doesn't he? In general, like he's a massive football fan. There's, I think we talked about a fucking on... Celtic train in this one, apparently. As well. Like you know, with like <laughs> yeah. with a gaudy. Logo we we've on. talked before on show about how he has like a, a like a full scale football pitch at the back of like his Scottish gaff with no one to play with. And he's just yeah. There's a quote in like an old Q interview where he's just like. I realised after we did it that I've gotten no one to play with. So sometimes I get a ball and me and the dogs run around it for like two minutes and I just come back inside. (laughs) This is the saddest thing. Yeah, this is the more wholesome version of like Nicolas Cage having a castle addiction. (laughs) Or like whatever the fuck that was. Rod Stewart was in Late Late there about a year ago, I want to say. They gave him some book and he like started crying. Like he's a crier. He's like me. You know, good. He's, he's, good. Emo- he's an emotive man. Emotions out, yeah. Um, yeah, he's um, he's an interesting figure in the world of history. Also, an interesting figure in the world of history is Spike Lee. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, he's directing a hip hop version of Romeo and Juliet. Okay. Now I'd say no better man. Has there ever been a good hip hop version of anything like this? Like there it always is, spells I just, cheese. I just can't it? think of one. Uh, Spike Lee is an interesting case. I think he's a bit of a hack. Yeah. He's definitely made some very important films. But he's also... Has he been a... coasting on that reputation for decades? I would say he has. Strong, yeah. maybe? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Spike Lee buried by Craig Fitzpatrick. Uh, yeah, because like his most recent film, Black Klansman, kind of brought him back to prominence, but I thought it was absolute garbage. Like, I mean, uh, he made the Old Boy remake, which was so bad and missed yeah, the... One of those ones that should never have happened. But it missed the point it. of it so bad. So there's a YouTube channel called YMS, which is Your Movie Sucks, right? It's a kind of obnoxious Canadian guy who makes video essays and stuff and you know hit and miss when he's good he's really good and he did an hour and a half long video compare and contrast essay of the original old boy and the Spike Lee remake and I would honestly recommend anybody to sit down and watch that it sounds like an hour and a half sounds like crazy time right no 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 no. it'll fly by it's really good and you'll just see how much of a hack Spike Lee can be um yeah he's he's wildly problematic in some respects he's always getting into feuds with people he went to the Oscars last year and he basically dressed like fucking Wario uh, and he yeah. won the Oscar for, for best original screenplay or adapted screenplay for Black Klansman which again I just thought was a really bad movie uh, particularly at the end of it when he explained the film to you but I mean yeah this sounds like hot trash Craig uh, it's called Prince of Cats which made me go oh fuck it must be about Tybalt and it is so yeah. that's an interesting <laughs> angle fair enough I guess but the hip hop twist in quotes is the thing that really worries me um, it's going to involve DJing MCing breakdancing and graffiti um, the Hollywood Reporter release continues. The film centers on uh, yeah, Tybalt and his Capulet uh, brothers who navigate the People's Republic of Brooklyn where underground sword uh, dueling, uh, including katanas, with the rival uh, Montague's blossoms into a vibrant world. It sounds pretty ropey. <laughs> it will depend entirely on who is in this and what its kind of focus is going to be and whether it's a full-on musical. I don't think we need another Romeo and Juliet. I think the Baz Luhrmann version is great. 
uh, the MTV kind yeah. of flecked modernization. Yeah, I think it 90s. totally worked. It actually did. it shouldn't have worked, but it did. No, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And people were like, "It's a bit much." I'm like, "It's Romeo and Juliet, guys. <laughs> it's it's literally a melodramatic tragedy." <laughs> like, I think it's okay that the actors went to ten. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Spike Lee, back to the Oscars, by the way. This is in the article as well, where I guess you know this is your classic thing. And as someone who writes these kind of articles, it's your classic thing where you run out of room. You've got basic information, <laughs> so you have to call back to you, old news, and you've written like a hundred words. You're like, I better throw in another hundred words here, so I'll just reference something from yeah. before uh, so they talk about like back in February Spike Lee walked out of the Oscars when Green Book won Best Picture um, th- that's been disputed now like the, he apparently got up and like bailed when that was announced because you know he, he was being very showy and theatrical and obviously that film has been accused of some racist undertones and overtones you might say I haven't seen it because it looks like garbage Um but he like apparently he he then said no no I was just trying to like beat the traffic or something so I, I, I look at it as your typical like the football match is over nothing. there's five minutes left <laughs> you're in the stadium you're not going to come back and beat score. the traffic yeah. beat the traffic yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. fine but uh, yeah he's he's not great I'm not really positive about this one but like I'll check it out I suppose you know yeah. sounds like a no popcorn. It does. Um, in other news, Lily Allen has called for Rule Britannia to be banned. Um, she's faced a barrage of criticism. Second time I've used barrage uh, this episode. First time I've pronounced it correctly. <laughs> um, what did you say the first time? Barrage? Uh, yeah, I think I was just reading the press release or whatever. Um, but yeah, a lot of criticism after calling for it to be banned. She dissected the lyrics of the traditional anthem, which was first penned in 1740, an old classic, <laughs> in a series of posts on her Instagram stories. Oh, I mean, like, I'm sorry, but like, really, like, have you nothing better to do? I know. I know. Like, fucking hell. Um, apparently, I'm, I'm not too up to speed with the lyrics, but Good. It, it I'm goes glad. on I'd about... Be, I'd be kind of concerned if you were, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she went through them and she was like, oh, these lyrics written in 1740 don't really apply today. Yeah, they probably don't. Um, it's just, who gives a shit? But like, there's a, again, classic modern day journalism trick here of like, one Instagram user said, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. fuck off. Backlash. Uh, you should respect the fallen <laughs> new, new wrestling faction who gave you the chance to sing and make a career. It's a song going back hundreds of years. Britain shouldn't be slaves, nor should any country. It was great when Britain did rule the waves with the largest naval fleets. Another said, she should be bloody grateful. Shame on her and inflated ego. <laughs> Massive exclamation mark. Like, it's just, what a non-story. Like... Yeah, it really is. I mean, I suppose it ties into the whole Remembrance Sunday palaver that continues to just every year. It's so tiring, isn't it? Just of where the poppy. Oh, the poppy thing. Poppy. Did you see? Did you see the football? Did you see? Oh, the the poppy mascot, <laughs> the personification <laughs> of the poppy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Gunnersaurus outdone <laughs> at long last. It was incredible. A fucking was. a grown man. Who thought that was a good idea? A grown man who looked like a field marshal from World War One. <laughs> Leading a man in a poppy suit with giant clown shoes onto a football pitch. I was like, this is... David Squires and The Guardian joked about this four years ago. And oh, then, really? And now they've done it. <laughs> so I was talking about this and I was like, how do we how do we advance this any further? And I think we're on it, like the center circle should be a poppy. Uh, yeah. The ball should be like tattooed <laughs> as a poppy. The goalpost should be red. Like Also, so yeah, apparently there's like... Apparently, there's only two footballers in, like in in all of the English leagues who don't wear the poppy. In all of England. <laughs> uh, if, if that is true, at least the two that I've been told, you know one of them, of course. Yeah, James. Big James. Yeah. Big do Jimmy. Know, do you know who the other one is who won't wear the poppy? Is it really surprising? He plays for the football club that we support. Oh, um, Matic. It's Matic. 
Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. There because of yeah, Britain's yeah, yeah. involvement involvement in, in yeah, his homeland. Yeah, every year. I saw I saw a thing like a, like a, a photograph of like some bloke on some kind of question time style show and like his poppy was like so massive on his shoulder and like protruding and gigantic that it looked like a Resident Evil 2 like mutation or something. <laughs> it was like what the fuck? Yeah, it's it's ludicrous, man. I mean, like personally, I don't really care either way. I'm yeah. not one of these, I'm not one of these Brits out people. I don't really I'm not a political person. I don't care. However, if you don't want to wear a fucking grand, stupid yeah. fucking flower, that should be fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. It was like, it reminded me of the uh, the recent Question Time dude of like, the whole island of Ireland. It's that so absolute funny. legend. That, that, that but like, just the entire audience being like, <laughs> the mere suggestion. <laughs> was just so like, what if, uh, you know, Ireland, right? You know, it's already Ireland. Ireland. Yeah, and if you just make that the whole island like an island once again <laughs> oh it's great and him being like I think I've come with a really good yeah. idea here uh, and the, the turtleneck <laughs> the turtleneck <laughs> the turtleneck put over the top didn't um, didn't like they have the poppy on like Alf or like like probably Basil Brush yeah Basil Brush like, sounds right yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what the fuck like it, it's so stupid <laughs> like it's so dumb Fuck off. Oh okay. Uh, Mel B, meanwhile, also a British person yeah, who may or may is... not have opinions about these kind of things, has been distracted by Poppygate, Craig, because... Yeah, this is also so kind of dumb. Tesco's had to pull an advert featuring the face of the Spice Girl singer uh, after she hit out at the supermarket chain for featuring her likeness. Um, she was on Instagram yet again. Um, she asked Tesco CEO Dave Lewis to contact her about the situation. Publicly, uh, by the way. Yeah. The so new- hang on. Uh, the ad was basically a photograph of her in the height of the Spice Girls pump with a speech bubble that was like, stop right now and get down to Tesco for savings or something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was like, you know, Tesco, great savings this Christmas or whatever the fuck. So like, you're in advertising, but before I get your expertise, my take on it is this, because like apparently Tesco were like, no, 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 we have permission to use the image. And I, I put two and two together and I was like, they must have bought the image on Getty Images. Yeah, which and they did. it turns did. out they did. Yeah. Now, like, the company I work for have a subscription to Getty. We use, you know, up-to-date photographs, and that's because we have a subscription to Getty. You pay for that subscription. I don't think that gives us the right to, to do an advertising campaign using that image. Like, that is a different story, right? Surely. I mean, like, it's one thing well, to use a featured image for a news story. There's different, there's different subscriptions. There's different categories. So, you know, if you go to Getty... You can't. You technically can't uh, like get an image that would be something for a news story and use that as an ad. You'd be under a different subscription model. So when you go to the stuff that's for commercial use, like everything there, obviously will have been signed off and okay. But it's also because, like for example, <clears throat> if I write a news story about say Spike Lee's new movie and I go and get a photograph of Spike Lee at a premiere and I use that as the news story, that's a news story and it's used once. Maybe it's used twice again if someone recycles it on the website. Yada yada. But it's not specifically designed to generate income, whereas mm-hmm. this is. This yeah. is this is designed to lure lure people to <laughs> entice people to go to Tesco to spend all of their money. Granted, yes, you write a story for a website, traffic, money, there is revenue there, but it's a very different stream. I think like it's one thing to like make up huge posters and have them hanging in your stores and have them on billboards and shit. You know, like that to me is where you surely have to have a deal with the person. 
Yeah, well, I guess they would have, like, I'm, I'm presuming this image was like a promotional image. It was from a photo shoot. It wasn't. It's, it wasn't her being papped or something, obviously. And when that was taken, um, they would have then become property of, I guess, a joint thing between the photographer and maybe her management. And then any kind of sale of that would have been like for a certain amount of time, maybe two years, blah, blah, blah. If it's still up on Getty, it means it's still kind of fair use, I would assume. Um, and it does go on to say in this article that a contract was subsequently signed with Getty and Brown's agent. <laughs> so that kind of puts the debate to bed. Um, but Tesco's still back down. Yeah, well, I guess it's just damage limitation, isn't it? You're not going to be like, well, actually, if you look at the terms and conditions, you don't want to get into that discussion with like a famous signed star. signed a deal, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Like, so I, so what, what about you, though, like around the advertising water cooler? Is this a... Uh, it's not it, really the hottest of stories, gonna, but it's been ask, a slow week, Dave. I, I, I assume this, this Dave Lewis man is, 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 is thought of now as a soy boy basic <laughs> cook in the advertising world, is he? <laughs> yes, Daniel Graham, mate. Um, like, it, it seems kind of innocuous a thing to be like what did you write can ceo of tesco food dave lewis please contact me urgently all caps thank you dave lewis please report to aisle three and it was part of it it was part of a a campaign um about it's like 100th anniversary alongside the tagline prices to take you back so it's just kind of like a nostalgia angle of like spice girls so it doesn't really seem like it was selling anything that awful though you could argue tesco or you know putting local businesses out of business so maybe melby feels strongly about that to our war dead craig um, and finally this week, yeah. uh, popular operatic man Andrea Bocelli has been cancelled by No Encore. <laughs> he has responded to uh, sexual harassment allegations aimed at his fellow tenor. Yeah, aimed at not him, let's point out. <laughs> Placido Domingo. Yeah, Placido Domingo. Uh, he's, he's called it absurd, <laughs> which is very strong language to be using, Andrea. Oh, this is full of strong language. It's yeah, tremendous. Um, that opera houses have cancelled um, Placido's performance over these allegations before they are fully investigated. Okay, I want to take this next part, Go please. for it, yeah. Here's a quote from Andrea Bocelli. I am still appalled at what happened to this incredible artist. <laughs> I don't understand this. Tomorrow, a lady can just come up and say, Andrea Bocelli molested me 10 years ago. <laughs> and from that day on, no one wants to sing with me anymore. The opera houses won't call me anymore. This is absurd. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds a bit like he's... Uh, you know they could come up and say they you know i molested them 11 years ago in that <laughs> branch of it but also it seems uh, that the evidence against domingo is quite strong oh yeah i mean um the associated press has spoken to more than 20 women um many of whom said that uh, domingo tried to pressure them into sexual relationships um and various sort of awful things. Now, Domingo, we should point out, has disputed the allegations. He called them, in many ways, simply incorrect. Very <laughs> erudite, yeah. In many ways, simply not true. Um, but yeah, the article goes on to say, Bocelli's the most prominent artist to speak out on the Spanish opera star's behalf, taking issue with the call-out culture and arguing that people should differentiate between public figures' morality and their artistry and skills, which I guess is a debate we've had. Yeah, like, that's which, true. Can you separate the art from the artist? Well, he definitely... But this is a different thing. This is about like actually, you know, giving you know a payday to someone who's in the midst of this Bocelli, scandal. Well, he's sick enough for his mate, isn't he? Bocelli definitely can separate the art from the artist, though, because he says, you know, like uh, if criminal accusations are brought forward 
uh, Bocelli said, like, people should not make a judgment until the accused person is convicted and sentenced. Whenever that happens, then the moral judgment against this person would, of course, change on my end, but not the artistic judgment, because they are two different things. He said, before presumably going back to watch his Best of Chris Benoit collection, yeah. like, fucking hell. He is also blind, so he wouldn't have been watching. Well, it, Craig, it seems, it seems he's blind in more ways than one. Also, fuck, I just realised that, and like, I didn't mean... Yeah. Maybe he listened to his best of Chris yeah. Benoit collection. I was making a really good joke. Yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Will we do songs? L- do some more listening. Before we get off this one, yeah, should we? Yeah, okay, fine. Let's, let's do songs of the week. Cool. First up, <laughs> Billie Eilish. And you say, as long as I'm here, no one can hurt you. So that's everything I wanted by Billie Eilish. It dropped at around midnight on Thursday morning. Very exciting. And yes, I mean, it's interesting because her album came out this year, you'd almost forget that it did. Yeah, it seems like it's Weird, been much longer. Right? Yeah. Uh, she's gone from, in the last 12 months, she's gone from kind of burgeoning superstar to bona fide superstar. Uh, we saw the Electric Picnic thing, playing to the biggest crowd in festival history. Um, she's huge. She's a household name. She's still 17, I think, or something insane yeah. like that. So, like, it's all happening incredibly fast for someone who's so young. This is a reflective track, kind of catching up with her in that vein. And I think it's a really good sign because, like, She's been quite prolific, even before the album came out. Like, she had a couple of EPs and had stuff here and there. Then the album came out, and, like, we liked it if we didn't love it, but ultimately thought it was very good for a debut. And she's got some yeah. great songs, which are undeniable. It's it's really good, though, that this first track is still of a strong quality, I thought. I thought this was, a, like, a first listen. I was like, this is very, very strong. It's up there with her best stuff. It's fucking great. Like, yeah. yeah. It's kind of harkening back to her, <laughs> her early work. <laughs> but there's a kind of uh, lightness to it that maybe, and a, a kind of propulsion of uh, energy to it that was missing in spots on the debut which was kind of um, kind of nastier sonically and just slower and kind of uh, d- dug a bit deeper but I think yeah this really works for me uh, the production from uh, her brother Phineas is again like really on point he's just like some talented dude he's clearly been listening to his John Hopkins and his oh, key- yeah, Chiasmos big, big time. and that kind of stuff you know? yeah um, which, is, which is no bad thing of course it's like it could be quite a hackneyed you know be careful what you wish for you know fame isn't always cracked up to be in someone else's hands but I think she comes across so genuine lyrically you know um she kind of nails it which like the on paper it doesn't kind of add up to much but i guess her delivery um hasn't really got old as yet and she's still selling it really well there's a couple of kind of quietly devastating moments where you know it's not that angry thing of like oh haters be hating and i don't have it all my own way it's kind of like i'm you know i'm worried i'm gonna like let people down that's yeah. kind of the vibe there's also a bit of a kanye real friends thing in here as well yeah. which is kind of concerning that it's happening to her now it is concerning, but it's also yeah. very much like well look fuck it she's just thinking out loud and she's being honest here which is very good and she strikes me as the kind of artist who can't fail but be honest in that way and again I was kind of like petrified about this because I was like, oh, it's it's a new Billy Otter single not long after the album. It's a brand new song. Ooh, are we going to get like something really boxed off and trend chasey and whatever? But no, no, as you say, it continues the thread. And yeah, those little kind of personal confessionals are, are extremely eye-opening, especially that thing of like, I can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. 
Um, and it sounds amazing. And she sounds amazing. Yeah. It's a great fucking song. And it, it's a really strong song. And again, those production touches, just like, just the little details. Like, they, they obviously spend so much time over these recordings. They just have every aspect completely nailed just you know when she's like i was underwater and the kind of the vocal just drops out slightly and all those kind of nice novel little bits that you keep coming back to really really strong effort yeah. from youthful sensation to elder statesman it's the return of the pet shop boys That was Burning the Header, um, full title Burning the Header Radio Edit, <laughs> quite like um, whimsically. Um, yeah, this is their first track since um, we got a Years and Years collab in the summer, I believe, which was Dreamland, which felt it was pretty good. It was OK. It felt like a um, diminishing returns version of um, Thursday, which was maybe their last classic song, maybe with the pop kids. Um, This is going to be off their 2020 album Hotspot, which will be the follow-up to Super, um, which was one of the first albums I think we reviewed on this show in the the early days. Sad Robot World. Sad Robot World. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of tore that one to shreds. I I just think it's Cullum every time I think of Sad Robot World. Yeah, go back and find that episode, folks. How awestruck (laughs) he was and how awful it was. And do you know what? Lyrically, at the start of this song, I feared maybe the worst, and then I sunk into it. And once we hit the kind of pre-chorus and the references to Autumn kind of sweeping in, it gets quite wistful. Um... It works for me as a massive Pet Shop Boys fan. I like that kind of acoustic, almost George Harrison-y um, propellant acoustic guitar that runs underneath it. Apparently that's Bernard Butler. I don't know if he does more on the upcoming album. But yeah, it just kind of works in an understated way for me. It it's bit, not a classic. It was a bit too modeling for me. I, okay. I wanted a banger. and it, But it did lead me back to 2013's Electric album, of which oh, Thursday yeah. is on. And Vocal, one of their best songs for me ever. And that, that, that to me is a terrific album. One that I wasn't expecting to be great, and it was. Since then, they haven't recaptured that form for me. But they're always worth your time. Like, I mean, yeah. I, like is there an argument that they're underrated? In the grand um, well, scheme of things. Maybe just because they've been so reliable. Like maybe they're just, yeah, that has come kind of back to, like you just feel like, oh, they're always going to be around. They'll just be doing their thing in the background. Um, But they've been, I think you forget how massive Pet Shop Boys were, like the hits, the kind of sales. I think at one point, I'm not sure they've been overtaken since, but they were like the biggest selling pop act in the UK at one point maybe it was actually maybe it was duo because that would rule out loads of other artists but yeah I think it was I think they might still be the biggest selling UK pop duo of all time which is incredible considering you know they're considering bros the thing we have to consider all the time yeah I mean considering how you know erudite and um, laird their stuff can be obviously they delivered bangers as well along the way I still haven't seen them live Apparently they're incredible live. I, so that's... I missed them. They support Take That at Croke Park and I missed them there and I saw some of them at Electro Picnic one year which was very good but I haven't properly seen them. I either. actually caught a bit of that show as well but I'd love to see their full kind of like greatest hits oh, apparently production like a, yeah. and apparently all of that. Apparently a headline show is, yeah. is, is to die for. Yeah. Uh, returning after some trauma, Glass Animals and they brought a friend with them in the form of Denzel Curry. This song is called Tokyo Drifting. 
Hey, what is everybody talking about when they want to live fast, but I'd rather walk it out? <laughs> Niggas want to talk about a G, but I spin a G on a 12 teeth in my mouth. Now it's aquatic, it feel like a trout on my wrist or a spot on my wrist with a spider up in it. Everything got to be 80 and you keep the 20%. You know that I get it, I'm on it, I'm eating. If you try to take it, the cook it, exit it. I'm back on my bullshit like Jordan, I'm pivoting. If this is my life, then I'm Tokyo drifting. Glass Animals, uh, it's probably like you could describe them as like a fun, feel-good, harmonious, melodic band. Yeah, m- more, even more playful alt J, maybe. That's kind fair. Of, yeah. yeah, communal as well. I saw them in the Olympia Theatre before, and like crowd were fucking apeshit for them, mm. and you could tell it was feeding both ways. Um, about a year ago, I want to say now, perhaps a little bit more. They had yeah, a, summer twenty eighteen. Yeah, a horrible thing happened where their drummer was hit by a truck while cycling in, in Dublin. Dublin. Yeah, yeah and the, it was like he broke his leg, but also he had to have like reconstructive surgery on his skull. I think it was entangled in a trailer of the truck. It, it sounded it was horrendous. It sounded stuff. extremely yeah. bad. Like it sounded like extremely precarious. But he pulled through. Dang, yeah. Um, I actually haven't done my research here. I don't know if he's back in the fold. Uh, yeah, I think all is well. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, because this song kind of came out of nowhere. Um, like, and it was like, oh, cool, Glass Animals. Oh, Denzel Curry. Like, who for me is kind of the you know maybe like unsung MVP of the year. That's a good shout. Yeah. Um, do they work together? I don't know if they do. The song is okay. It's a bit like having your cake and eating it too, because this is um, frontman David Bailey um, calling on his alter ego, who's like. <laughs> Um, the cock of the walk and just like the guy that can do anything and blah 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 and it's essentially like he was talking about how um, Denzel asked him like so is this track like a flex and he was kind of confused and your man was like well kind of but also I'm being ironic like it's this alter ego character and blah 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 you can imagine that explanation went on Denzel was like yeah well I just do my verse <laughs> I think he ans- he kind of lends some credibility to it he does Um, it's a bit of a kind of I don't know. It kind of feels like one of those YouTube mashups where it's like, you know, Britney Spears is toxic, but it's Deftones changing the house of flies. It doesn't feel like these two songs were like, yeah, recorded in the same kind of studio or by the same producer. It's a bit of a mess, but it's an yeah. enjoyable ride whilst you're on it and you don't think too much about it. It's fine, it. but also I am <laughs> getting that to aforementioned Colm Regan again, that kind of uh, seasonal affective song disorder where like, why oh, is this yeah, out now? Yeah, why, yeah why there's no place now? for it now. When it's dark at four o'clock and freezing and lashing rain all the fucking time. Not in Florida, though, so go I and see Mr. Yeah. Curry in his hometown. Um, <laughs> I won't. I'll go see him in Dublin when he comes uh, yeah, no, I guess I, I think they played their first show since last year recently enough, so good to have them back yeah, considering what like, happened. Yeah. And I mean, like, they're a band that attracted kind of a loyal audience in a small space of time, and like, you go back to the songs like Youth, and they are belters, like, you know, yeah. they're fun. Yeah, I mean, this has a slight element of cringe. Like, they're an Oxford ostensibly indie bands getting on board the hip-hop thing, but they've always been doing that kind of thing, um, so I guess they're allowed. It's just weird to me how... You know, with hip-hop completely dominating the pop world now, the kind of one area of rock that's thrived has been, like, weirdly psychedelic stuff and more esoteric things and even prog. That Like, that's where, like, Kanye or various kind of rap hip-hop people go to when they want to sample stuff, do collaborations. That's kind of flourishing, the progier psychedelic end of things, like Tame Impala. It's odd. There's probably a you know a a proper discussion to be had and maybe some scope to look at the idea of maybe there are a lot of 
act in one genre who don't feel comfortable with another genre being put in there. Maybe like it's more applicable to another one. Maybe like there are some just stuffy rock bands who don't want no hip hop with them. I don't That's know. fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, Denzel Curry is an interesting kind of uh, conduit, I suppose, because of course he did that amazing Rage Against the Machine cover. Yeah, he's very much doing his own thing, and his record Zoo is you know. An, an aggressive album in many respects it reminded me of horror in, 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 in some ideas and uh, like the idea and that's one of the reasons why I say like I wish Vince Staples would just like you know for an album front a band because I love that union of kind of you know propulsive guitar and drum stuff with an incredible hip hop vocalist at yeah. the front of it like and um, something like Vince does have that kind of firebrand capability yeah like, I mean, as does Denzel this song totally. is fine but I wouldn't be rushing out to hear it again no uh, instead let's pivot to our album of the week it's a hotly anticipated one from FKA Twigs, an avant-garde artist, with a lot to say. And we're going to hear that on Magdalene, which sounds like this. That was Home With You off Magdalene by FK Twigs. Some people just call her Twigs. I believe she was once called Twigs and then had to do the thing where she put the FK in front of it because there was someone else called Twigs. Kind of like Liberty and Liberty X and various other ones across the years. But FK Twigs, it kind of suits her, I think. This record is out a week now, so we had some time to spend with it. It's a nine tracker, which is always nice. That's track two. And uh, Craig, who is she? Um, FK Twigs. Uh, I didn't know that about the Liberty X thing. I knew it about FKA or Did you Twigs. Not know that? She, no, I thought everyone knew. I really? didn't, didn't know it was possible to not know that. I mean, it's it's not too tantalizing a piece of info. So I'm kind of like I'm, I got by without knowing this far. But yeah, anyway. I didn't. I didn't build it up. <laughs> so FKA Twigs is, a, I guess, a genre bending recording artist from the south of England. Um, that's been. Was kind of a promising rising star that we've been that's been kind of off the radar and we've been missing for too long I think um, so only one lo- previous long speaker to her name uh, long speaker long player uh, LP1 which came out five years ago as I was saying um, so kind of slim body of work but kind of massively I guess influential and critically acclaimed and made a big impact for sure um, definitely we know Rihanna's kind of um, been influenced by her in the interim you can kind of hear the chain reaction of that uh, alt R&B avant-garde pop sound that she kind of came out of the gates with um, everywhere since so yeah she was kind of Mercury nominated for that, she charted high on both sides of the Atlantic um, with her third EP which followed LP1 Melissa, uh, she showed that she wasn't going to kind of compromise her sound whatsoever, she was you know, heading off into spacier directions. And then there was a bit of silence. And since then, we've had some kind of guest features. 
there's been like you know indie tabloid stuff about her relationship with a twilight dude your mate <laughs> bobby p <laughs> also known as robert pattinson yeah. also known as the batman oh yeah sorry to give him his official title of the batman they were engaged they're no longer engaged yeah um and much kind of uh grave or more important news um uh, last year when she came out with a statement about her uh, a, a really kind of serious health scare that she went through um, which she has thankfully come out the other side of. And this um, LP is very much dealing with a turbulent period in her life and her kind of trying to put that in context and also, I guess, find herself. Should be noted as well, the Pattinson stuff is more than just tabloid fodder because, of course, it was tabloid fodder, but also yeah. she herself had, had confirmed what you might suspect, which is that she received a deluge of abuse from the stands. Oh, yeah. Huge and huge. that abuse was uh, race, ra- racially motivated in, in some respects as well. And, I mean, we talk about stands on this show every now and then, and mm. usually in a very negative fashion because they are the most vile pooling of the current era, I think. And it's a terrible, terrible shame to see anyone of any standing uh, struck by that mire to such a degree that it could potentially dissolve a relationship. Now, we don't know what happened with those two people, those two beautiful people, but yeah. ultimately it wasn't to be, and you have to anticipate that there's definitely an element of anything for anyone who gets involved with someone who unfortunately attracts a really concerning um, coterie of people. Yeah. Uh, all that said, though, um, this is a breakup album and a rebirth album, I think, in some respects as well. As you, you mentioned, a health scare. The whole thing feels like like a metamorphosis in some respects. And mm. she is the kind of artist for all that to be projected upon, even without those two key elements. And it shouldn't just be boiled down to those ones, particularly the romance angle, because if you Google FKA Twigs, the first autocomplete suggestion is Robert Pattinson, yeah. which is really unfair on both of them. I mean, like, it's not something that either person should have to be like <clears throat> tethered to for the rest of their days, especially when FKA Twigs is making music uh, as in- interesting and ambitious uh, yeah. as, as the music that she makes. Um, I guess my starting point on this one would be just to say that, like... Uh, because I planned to say it on the show, but then I just couldn't help myself and I tweeted it out. So, spoiler for anyone who or follows my Twitter. But, like, Cellophane, which is the lead single of this record, it came out in April. Yeah. And it came out with an accompanying kind of visual of her pole dancing, which she has been doing in live performances recently. She was on Jimmy Fallon there doing so about a week ago, I think. And essentially, that song's been out all year. And, like, it's been in my best of the year long list. And I've always thought it was great. Um, this record though it's the last track on the album and when it arrives to me it, it arrives as tragedy and triumph and I couldn't imagine a more perfect conclusion to this record than that song yeah. some people some prominent critics have argued that it, it, it's buried at the end of it and it should be in the middle it's the heartbeat it's the heart whatever uh, I disagree I think when it yeah. arrives it's perfect catharsis it feels like resolution to it me. does yeah. yeah and the next step and ultimately what I've realised through this record and listening to it um I think it's the best song of the year. Well, I think it's, there's some contenders on this album to be called. Like I was really impressed. Um, certainly, when it arrived, I was really struck with it. And um, you know, we knew the talent of Twigs, but uh, this was kind of the promise of okay, how is she going to back this up with her next um, album? And I think she definitely does. I mean, everything that backs up that concluding point really says okay, this was a, a nice taster. I think cellophane, which I was loving already, grows in stature as you said. It works. Uh, in terms of the narrative, um, you feel like she's ready to take a next step. She's been talking in interviews about how she feels the youngest she's ever felt. And there's a kind of like a, you know, a child inside her and just creatively free. And she kind of knows herself uh, 
really well. And you, you get that kind of lightness from the performance, which wasn't there without that context for me. But throughout the record, I was I was really struck with how confident it was, how kind of coherent it was um, as like a mission statement and also a kind of reflection on where she's been. And, you know, we talk about her being quite an, like, an experimental artist. This didn't feel experimental to me whatsoever. It seemed really well thought out. It felt like she'd spent years building up this kind of arsenal of, you know, sonic weaponry. And this was her just going, giving it her best shot. I think it's super cohesive and every track stands by itself. It's one of those few records where... Like after first listen, I, I like I could remember by name each of the tracks. They all felt like they worked alone. Um, and then as a whole, I think the title of the album's really interesting, just from a point of view of who she's talking about. And I guess that is talking about the relationship, right? Not to call Robert Pattinson the Christ; he is just the Batman. But you know, she's talked about how Mary Magdalene. Um, she identified with that, you know, story and how Mary Magdalene was seen as someone that was, you know, a kind of a follower of Jesus and maybe something more intimate. But actually, she was a really interesting character. She was overlooked. She's been done wrong through history. And she found a kind of power in the the grace and kind of inspiration and dignity of that um, historical or maybe fictional character. And there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of kind of playing with archetypes, playing with different voices. And you feel like she's trying to find herself on each track which was interesting to me. There's definitely an immediacy with the record. The first time I heard it, I did instantly be like, yeah, this is this is quality. This is really strong. Yeah. I think the more I listen to it, I'm not as impressed as I was the first time. And there probably is the shock of the new with it as well, because what I did was with this, I don't know how many songs she has dropped in the intervening kind of few months since Cellophane came out, especially in the last two, but I know that I would keep seeing, listen to the new FKA Twigs track on Twitter or whatever, mm. and I made a conscious decision to avoid all of them after Cellophane, because I, I wanted to just go into this and experience the album as was, as is, especially knowing that it was only going to be nine tracks or so. So I completely stayed away from everything else. Yeah. And so for me, there was a shock of the new in terms of like, okay, cool, this is the very first time I'm experiencing this. And... It's not so much that I have further issues with it or it depreciates in value over the course of a week to listen to it, but at the same time, I I was ready at one point to be like, this could be the best album of the year, and I don't think it is. Uh, I think it's excellent. Mm. I think it's very, very strong. There are times, though, when I can feel that she almost does overpower herself. One thing, which is probably the obvious one to jump out of here right now is, and I, I think it's just a really poor decision to have a, fe- a feature I knew you're going to go of yeah course. future on future on the is the, he's the only feature on this record a record that does not need any features at all it's a hugely like listenable record for all it's um you know more out there sonics but that is the one track where you're like eh, this isn't really doing it for me it felt really strange he feels like almost, in. almost by committee and also <coughs> he he doesn't belong on this one and also the fact that it, what works against future on this one in particular is how feature friendly he has been he's been on Taylor Swift songs mm. he's been on a host of other artists stuff and like he's good and features I know you're a big fan yes but yeah, I, I like future I just don't need him on this but he's yeah he is very much his own thing and also he has been so influential in the style of music he does that he brings a lot of outside baggage into this world that she's creating so it feels weird to have any features it's like he showed up at the studio with trap drums yeah but I wonder like is that I mean process trap drums do you you think that was maybe a commercial decision or if not a commercial decision a kind of like oh it'll be you know fun to get future in or do you think there's actually something narratively going on of like having a sole male voice at some point in the the record the cynic in me says commercial but she doesn't strike me as that kind of artist I felt I felt from his performance and lyrically what he was doing 
almost like he was a caricature of like the male voice or something that felt kind so of like, alien and un- he's, like, he's like a device basically yeah he's like an intruding kind of presence at a certain point to kind of reflect that side of the relationship and sound a bit awkward and something that was totally separate of what was going on i don't think it works just in terms of an uh, like an enjoyable listen point of view yeah but i think maybe there's something more going on with that i can feature. vibe with what yeah. you're saying and yeah. there's definitely there's definitely something intriguing in the idea of having a supporting character who is written yeah. and written to not be flattering which you don't get a lot in music obviously you get it in movies and tv all the time but the problem here is less that it doesn't work and more that because it's future and as you say it comes with so much baggage it broke the immersion yeah. for me and, and also like, it's been a single so maybe it was more was maybe more yeah. commercial and look means. it's holy terrain like it's it's a good song when yeah, the he's production's not kind of great. Yeah, he just grates. To be honest, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like it's it's a tough listen as well. This is a tough album. Um, it's a particularly tough album for anyone going through a breakup. I would say. Yeah. And a home such, with you is it, devastating. Oh my! <laughs> the God. culmination of that when it's, it's track just like two. <laughs> as well, like Jesus. Christ. That moment when it's just like if you had a said that you were lonely, and it's just like, oh, wouldn't you say like it's fucking devastating? Yeah, but that's, but that's great, so many of those moments. That's on great it artistry. Yeah, though, really. She, I think she's absolutely leaning into this exceptionally well. Yeah. You you hope which is the cliche thing of catharsis coming, and that's one of the reasons why cellophane works so well for me because like. I saw, uh, I think it was Fantano's review, also known as The Needle Drop. Oh, what did he think of it? He thought it was, he gave it a 7 out of 10 and he was critical of it, but then like kind of sank into a praiseful review. But he didn't even put cellophane in his best tracks. Like, I was just like, that is just ridiculous. Yeah. And he was also like, you know, oh, like it doesn't really like go anywhere. And it just kind of, it doesn't give the album an ending. And some other review I read said the same thing. And I was like, whoa, I mean, everything is subjective. But I think you guys missed the point. Like, I mean, the way that that song ends is devastating. And like that, those, those lyrics about, you know, they want to see us, want to see us alone. They want to see us apart. Uh, they hope that I'm like, that I'm not good enough. Yeah. That, uh, of course, works on the complete surface level of her addressing the Robert Pattinson uh, yeah. aggro fan base. But it works on such a different level. It works on such a soul wrenching level of like the they being you and him and her and society around you and just. Uh, barriers and constructs that come up in a nowhere to trip you up and some kind of weird cosmic joke thing of like even though we love each other deeply and we are maybe in some respects perfect for one another the world is contriving against us and I'm going to take that knife and put it inward and she does it in such an unbelievable way and again like the the performance the choreography like even like again like on a show is fucking dumb as Jimmy Fallon <laughs> it's me never getting on the Fallon show Craig <laughs> god damn so um, close like just the elevation of, of how she does it and what she does and the dancing and, and the performance art and it, it, it's it's next level stuff and I, also I mean it's very difficult to not throw a reductive perhaps sound like of Kate Bush at her but I do think it's very hard to walk away from this album and not hear a debt to Kate Bush sure but also I think taking, also she's, she's kind of and, 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 yeah. and using it in the right way I think how at times she leans into the kind of mannered English vocals as well and that is kind of reminiscent of Kate Bush it was certainly with the closer I felt it brought as I said a resolution when paired with the opening of Thousand Eyes which feels like it feels like listening to the pressure of that kind of baying mob where she's kind of she's walking towards something that's like a separation or a kind of big public gesture and the kind of the sound and the bass is almost bleeding out of the earphones as it's happening and just it grows in intensity and you kind of feel oh the weight of what this relationship was or might have been and by the time you get around to cellophane it's so 
unadorned and her voice is so clear that it, there's a kind of a freshness and a lightness that wasn't there before. And I got to think those kind of production touches were totally there to serve the lyrics. I think that happens time and time again. As I said, like it seems like she's talking in different voices quite a lot. There's a lot of those kind of fractured aspects of maybe her personality and various archetypes she's leaning on, which reminded me kind of of Blonde at times, like Nikes and, you know, the way Frank has played around with that. I think she does it kind of equally as well um, here. Mary Magdalene's a stunning track. I mean, that's the real centerpiece for me. I think even Eclipse's Cellophane. Uh, just in terms of pure melody writing, it's it's magnificent. Like it's really good. There's a few kind of <laughs> very slightly... magnificent. Says Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. I do. Keep going. There's a few kind of weaker moments. Uh, Daybed. I know it's about like a, dep- a depressive episode, and not being able to drag yourself out, and your your kind of head being in a fog. Lyrics kind of felt weirdly clunky to me, and it wasn't again that enjoyable a listen. I think it works in terms of as the lead into cellophane because maybe it when does. that one comes up and the first lyric comes in, it is like clouds lifting. And I think yeah. it's worth the struggle to get through that song. I think. Sure, yeah. So maybe, yeah, and maybe we'll you know in a few months from now give Holy Terrain the same kind of credit just because okay, it's finally clicked and it makes sense from what Future's saying. But um, they were the two moments that didn't feel like a, a, you know a real kind of treat to listen to um but the rest of it is it's really accomplished i think she's she's pulled off exactly what she wants to do with this and she just feels you know when she's talking about you know being like a child or younger than she's ever felt before it feels like that creative freedom not from a logistical or kind of record company point of view but just from doing exactly what she wants with the tools she has at her disposal so it's a really really strong return so here's the thing, right? And again, not to get too hardcore gossipy about this, because we, like I say, look, we don't know about their relationship. It's none of our business. Yeah. And of course, there's more to this record than that. And it's very much her statement. However, did you get the sense that, you know, this was a case of, you know, I still respect this person. I still love this person. Yeah. Because but, it, like, unlike, say, for example, like something as like rubbish as like Shed It To My Ex by like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like where I, like, I loved that this was a very mature... There was no hatred here. No, there was no. no it, it, just it wasn't like, even overly... I was going to say, it is very it is very emotional uh, as a listen, but it felt more kind of philosophical. It didn't even strike me so much as a relationship album in the sense that it's, you know, about my feelings towards him, blah, blah, blah. It was kind of all the circumstances around it, as you say, how the world was kind of conspiring against them to an extent and what those events have meant for her personally. So it felt more kind of inward rather than looking to the other person. So yeah, no, it seemed, it seemed, um, he probably, he's a probably lovely chap. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there wasn't, you're not going to get any kind of details about Robert Pattinson from this. No, nor should you. Yeah. Uh, no, no, you, like it felt like process. It felt like ultimately yeah, process going through, is the word, yeah. which I really loved. I, like, I, that's what I loved the most about this record was that it felt like an incredibly honest statement in the true sense of that word and that term. And ultimately in doing so as well, an incredible artistic statement. So for me, it's an eight out of 10. Yeah, I'd give this a nine, I think. I think it's really strong. Okay. Fair um, enough. Where did it fall down for you? Just It's just more that, like, going back to it has been difficult, I think. Okay. But also, it's difficult subject matter. I mean, I'm, like, I'm teetering on the 8.5 there. <laughs> okay. It's wow. Not, yeah. We'll come back to It's maybe. not a nine. Uh, you know, I wish it was. I have a lot of goodwill for it. I think yeah. she's great. I think it's really fucking good. It's one of the best albums of the year. It's just not the best album. Either. How would you stack this up against LP One? Because it's quite different. It's, it's quite maybe different. Not as I mean, like LP One, like out there and L- LP1 playful, the, and obviously because of the subject matter. 
Yeah, so LP1 was what, 2014? Yeah. And I mean, that kind of felt like, it's a weird thing to say, but it felt very 2014. In as much as like, it was going to usher in this new R&B thing, and it didn't quite do it. I think it stands up as one of the better things in that vein. I'm glad she just didn't didn't just give us LP too. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think it compares well. I think it's, but I like that. I like when your albums are different. Like, not radically different, but like, ultimately, I think they're two really good records. I think she's fucking great. This, yeah, this might feel the more kind of evergreen. This feels like kind of, you know, ready-made classic almost in the kind of, you know, it's not like necessarily maturation, but it's just, it's restrained enough that she's not chasing any current fads or anything like that or playing too much outside of her limits. Yeah, it reminded me of like Take Me Apart by Kalela a bit. Yeah, it's a good shout. In terms of the atmospheres and the kind of, you know, just the disappearing into someone's grief i suppose and just that kind of thing of like and doing it ex- extremely well while also elevating you as a person which again and i love that record and like any excuse to go back to that one so good companion pieces but yeah if you're if you're in a tough spot with a relationship <laughs> maybe, maybe give it a while <laughs> yeah may, maybe listen to some new metal instead which is what i've been doing you've been doing yeah uh, it's because uh the reason I, it's corn's uh <laughs> any excuse it's come the, on be it's honest it's the 20th anniversary of corn's issues which is a perfectly okay new metal album but it very much uh all of its time with regards to my formative years and i was in work the other day i was off for a bit of a few days and then it was like okay i went back in i had nothing to do so i was like fuck it, i'll do a new metal quiz why not and i had a lot of fun putting that quiz together and in doing so it led me down to some old new metal tracks as it often does and again i know i'm the biggest broken record of all time but i just you know that amazing feeling like when you're like this song just has that alchemy and i just and i'm obsessed with yeah, it. yeah totally Again, it's American Head Church. It's just so you know. That song, to me, I, I feel like I, I'm really sad that that song doesn't get more mainstream love. I think it's one of the greatest songs of the 21st century. Wow. Give me your big three new metal acts. Who are the Holy Trinity? <laughs> Slipknot, Mushroom Head. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know about the third. Because like, cause Limp Bizkit and Korn were like so important in terms of like getting me into bands and music and albums. And I like I say this every time. I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, man, it was the Beatles. It wasn't. <laughs> it was fucking Limp Bizkit and Korn. It was Korn. Fred Durst. Like, it was Fred Durst. It was. I mean, like, like that made me excited about, you know, like exploring bands. and Dude, I, I liked Creed. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I didn't. Bit of Cre- I don't know much Creed. Was Creed? Creed wasn't kind of Christian. Either. They are. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, well. yeah, yeah. They really are. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't realise that they were. I was just like, who is this Pearl Jam ripoff that I kind of like as well? Uh, yeah, Slipknot, Mushroom Head. I mean, I guess like for 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 brownie points, you want to say Deftones. There you go. <laughs> but I can already hear Dave Higgins being like, they're not new metal. Because then the new metal thing is like, well, what is new metal? I mean, like a perfect circle? Probably not, but they were on Kerrang! So... I remember, I remember in primary school, um, my uncle got me tickets to see Limp Bizkit. It was probably sixth class, I guess. Remember they cancelled Yes, Craig. Yeah. I remember in Punchestown because I had a ticket. I remember being in like the playground and it had just been cancelled and a dude called Dave Lawler saying, are Deftones still going to play? Because I'd rather go and see them. They're way better. <laughs> so full credit to that guy wow. as a 12-year-old. They're like, <laughs> Deftones all the way. Fuck Limp Bizkit. I did get down a, a Deftones rabbit hole recently and yeah, they got, They're some, amazing. They got some incredible, incredible things. Band, yeah. I actually really regret not going to see them live when they came to Dublin recently for a two-night stand. Apparently they were fucking amazing. Yeah. 
So what are you going to do? Uh, Wolf Braid have a new song out, uh, which I listened to. It's the second single off an upcoming album. They have an album coming out in January, actually, which is which is good news. And they're coming back to Dublin, so I'll be going to see them again, of course. One of my favourite bands. Uh, they've kind of settled into this groove. You know you know what you're kind of getting with yeah. the Wolf Braid. I like the new track. It's good. It's good, yeah. And like to be fair, like they're capable of latter-day belters. Like, the opening track off the last album, Lazarus Online, is an amazing song. And uh, Say La Vie Way off an EP that came out in 2017 is also, or 2016, is also really, really good. Their first album, Apologies to the Queen Mary, is full of absolute classics, including I'll Believe in Anything, which is probably my top 10 songs of all time. What have you been listening to? Um, what have I been listening to? Not a huge amount. I haven't had the time. Um, oh, Sparks. I was listening to Sparks today, um, prompted by the fact that they have a new Best Of out. I think it's called Past Tense, but they're a great band. So if you haven't checked them out previously, definitely get on Sparks. Um Kimono My House is incredible. Um, terrible punning t- album title aside, yeah, so Sparks are a great band to check them out. So hang on, I meant to mention like the Corn album turns 20 on Saturday, so the day after. <laughs> so what am I going to be doing? <laughs> but there's two, I, I was looking up album anniversaries and stuff, there's two other albums of note that came out on the same day in 1999. So Corn came out on the same day 1999. as... Dr. Dre 2001 oh. and Will Smith Willennium. Okay, I wouldn't put that quite up there. <laughs> Can you imagine, Did like, you own Willennium? No, I didn't. Can no. you imagine like your mom coming home from the shop with like those three CDs for you? <laughs> That'd be good, Craig. Yeah, 2001, wow. Yeah. I love how forward-thinking Dre was to be like, yeah, I know it's 1999. I'm not going to call it 2000. <laughs> 2001, the real millennium. <laughs> This episode of No Encore was engineered by Eve Murray. To play us out this week, Villagers quietly dropped a new EP, uh, which was kind of just came out of nowhere, and it's lovely as you might expect, good for this time of year. Big fan of Connor O'Brien, of course. We interviewed him on the show before uh, when his last album came out. Always good to hear new stuff from Villagers, and that's what we're going to listen to right now. This song is called "Did You Know." Did you know, Craig? This new Villagers EP out came out last week. Yeah, I've just heard. Go and check it out. <laughs> I'll check it out. Song. <laughs>
podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.